game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Thanks for joining us on another episode. Joining me today for our Friday happy hour. Let's get a little tipsy. Brandon Anderson. We're going to talk today about some of the surprise teams and what betting takeaways we can go through. If you enjoy the betting, you should absolutely have the Action Network app. Uh, right now, as you listen to this, pick up your phone, go to the App Store, download the Action Network app if you have not already. Best way to track your bets, best way to get information, best way to keep track of me on Heat Check, our third, our Wednesday show, six o'clock Eastern on at Action Network HQ. Uh, not to brag, but I'm three and one, and Raheem is zero and four. So just letting everybody know that again, I am three and one. Raheem is is zero and four. That's Raheem Palmer, zero for in heat check. Uh, I had myself a great night betting last night as we record this on Thursday, Brandon. Uh, I've got, I, I applied some, I built a model for totals and it is killing it. I'm very excited about it. We'll see how it goes tonight on Thursday, but you want to talk about some of the surprising teams in the league and I will have thoughts on how we should bet them. So let's get into it. Yeah, I just want to take a look at some of these early season Cinderella's. You take a look at the NBA standings right now, and uh, it is like upside down world right now. The Lakers can't beat anyone. The Nets can't beat anyone. The Suns have one win. And then you look toward the top of the standings and you got the Minnesota Timberwolves up near the top. You've got your Charlotte Hornets. You got even the Cleveland Cavaliers, three game winning streak. Look at those Cavs. So yeah, there there are other teams. The, the the Bulls and Knicks obviously are doing great. We did not want to talk about those teams today because as we were recording, the Bulls and Knicks are playing a throwback 90 showdown game on Thursday night. So we will circle back to those teams later. But I just wanted to, to talk through some of these early surprise teams. Timberwolves, Hornets, and Cavs, I think for most were not even necessarily playoff teams, not even necessarily play-in teams. So... I just want to go through these teams. Let's start out with, I was going to say my, but I think they're our, our Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, yeah, I waited that time. I was ready for it. So Minnesota Timberwolves, they beat the Rockets in the opener. They beat the Pelicans without Zion. Then they lost to the Pelicans second game of a home and well, not even a home and home, just a home twice. So that tempered some expectations. Then they came out and went to Milwaukee and took down the mighty missing Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton forgot to show up. Milwaukee champion Bucks. So the Timberwolves are three and one looking good. Carl Anthony Towns has been awesome. Anthony Edwards is lighting up the highlights. What are you thinking about the Timberwolves so far? Uh, I bet them to make the play in, and I'm feeling good about that. That bet's already got plus EV uh, if, if on, on my available cash out as I'm like, no, I'm good. Thank you. Um, th- that one's already gained some value, so very excited about that. Uh, look, I, I thought this was my number one pick for the over in – in all my win totals, this was the number one team that I liked in this spot. Um, I thought that their number was preposterous at 35 and a half. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous given, you know, where they were at. It was just, I guess here's the thing. I don't think I was like a super genius for, for seeing this coming. If you paid attention to things, you would have seen it coming. Like last year at the end of the season, their performance at the end of the last year was absolutely laughed off by, I don't know, some people on this podcast because they weren't tanking. 
Um, and it was built as like, well, people, teams weren't trying then. The key with understanding the regular season is to understand that very often a lot of teams aren't trying. And that's how you build a good record. Like there's this idea of, well, who have they really played? Like the Bucks were without everybody. They played the Pelicans uh, and they beat the Rockets. Like, is that really impressive? I'm like, no, the Wolves are not going to be the two seed. The Wolves are not going to contend for a championship. But... What's good is, I think, especially as betters, Brandon, I think we could definitely say that I think the market is behind the curve on them. Like the pre the preseason models in this time period have not adjusted yet. It's going to take like a month for the models to catch up and be like, all right, we have enough sample. We're going to have to treat the Wolves as like a 500 team and not as, you know, a a 35 percent winning percentage team. And so you're getting still getting really good value on them in a bunch of these spots where, you know, you, you really won't be able to get the kind of value down the line. I mean, they were, let's see, um, they were six and a half point favorites in the opener versus the Rockets, right? Like that's an easy one. Like that's just like an easy spot to get them at. Um, They continue to be underrated, I think by the market now, like yesterday was like, Okay, again, like the the Bucks are 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 at a spot where they're injured enough that I don't really know. Like, like I bet the Bucks in that one because Portis was back, and I was like, oh, okay, they got one more dude back. That should be enough to get them by. Then the Wolves had that massive first quarter. I will say this: what's interesting is the Wolves are being held up by their defense, their defense right now, which they uh, implemented a new scheme. They're attacking at the level of the screen, and it's basically skirmish basketball back to the 2012-ish heat, where they're trying to apply a massive amount of pressure on the ball handler, get the ball out of their hands. That opens them up to skip passes. Um, I talked about this with you and Raheem and Slack. I think this is a really important thing. When they play those two sets, those du- what uh, Ken Barkley, you better you bet, has called duplex games, where they play two games right next to each other, whether home and home, home and away, whatever. I'm probably going to fade the Wolves in the second night because teams will get used to, oh, okay, so I hit the bounce pass, and then we hit the skip pass to the corner, and we've got an open three. I don't think the Wolves are going to hold in terms of their like because they've been propped up by their defense. But we saw, I think, last night versus the Bucks. I think the offense will get going, and that combined with they're playing Jaden McDaniel's in the starting unit, they're playing Jared Vanderbilt in the starting unit. Those are two really good defenders, and that plus the effort that Anthony Edwards and Cat are giving, I think, low, like that raises their defensive floor. Um, I, again, I'm not here to say like the Wolves are going to wind up as a top six seed. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think the odds are better than 60 to 65% that the Wolves are going to be a play-in team. They will be between 7 and 10 when we get to the end of the season. I'm ready to say that after four games. I am Very few things am I sure of, but barring injury, I do feel confident in that. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember coming into the season, uh, I'm trying to remember what the teams were. I had a kind of a tier drop-off in the West after Team 9 so that there was the, the Wolves were in a group with like the Kings, the Spurs, the Pelicans, but it was a 10 to 13 seed tier group. So right now, certainly it looks like the Timberwolves are the top of that group of teams, but that's not really saying a whole lot complimentary to them. I don't know if the team has yet moved outside of that tier to, to catch up to, you know, the, the Grizzlies or the Mavericks or the Clippers were some of those teams that were supposed to be next. So they're kind of, they're kind of stuck in that range maybe a little bit. So I I was looking at the profile and 
One thing, even over the last couple of years, even pre-Chris Finch and especially with Finch, a thing that this team has tried to do is play modern basketball, even when they didn't necessarily have the players to do it. Even when Towns was out, even when the other guys were out, they tried to start playing, taking more threes, getting rid of some of the twos, you know, changing the shot profile drastically. So last year, like looking at their offense, the offense hasn't changed a whole lot. The offense was ranked 25th last year, ranks 21st right now. It was a team that played fast last year. They're fourth in pace. They're seventh in pace now. The three-point attempts haven't really haven't really changed a lot from last year. They, they already had gone up from terrible to moderate, at least. Um, now, now, though, they're taking the third most three-pointers and the third least two-pointers. They're still not super efficient in doing that, but it's it's the you know threes and shots at the rim sort of profile that you were trying to build. So you know Towns is playing great. We know that Ant is playing a lot better. D'Lo really hasn't even been very good yet, and it's a hard offensive profile because you just aren't getting anything from the forwards. You're you're getting nothing from forward production, and so it puts a lot on those other three guys at all times. I'd like to see more from Malik Beasley. He, he hasn't done a lot yet this year. I'd like to see the shooting get back into the rotation. But uh, I want to ask you about the defense because looking at the profile, obviously that is the spot where it stands out, but not entirely. So last year's team was near the bottom of the league in defensive rebounding. Same thing still. They're actually dead last in defensive rebounding percentage. Last year's team fouled a ton. Same thing, still fouling a lot. The two big things that have changed – this year's team is number two in turnovers forced. They have the third most steals and the second most blocks. They're also number four in effective field goal percentage on defense. They were 28th last year. So as a Wolves fan, that tells me two things. Number one, it tells me the effort has changed. The effort is there. That's, you know, those turnovers are coming from that. But also, this obviously is not the number four defense that you, you know, they're, they're not forcing that amazing of shot profile defensively. And so I worry that will those numbers come back to earth? How far will they come back to earth? And when that defensive profile drops away a little bit, is this team really making the leap that it looks like they're making? So they're forcing the third most amount of turnovers in the pick and roll right now. They have a 17.4% turnover rate in pick versus pick and roll, including passes. That's not just ball handler. That's including passes. Um, I, I'll say this. Um Again, I think this is the, the best way to think of it. If I may, I think that sometimes you get caught up in this isn't going to work in the playoffs because this is not what the great teams do versus you could absolutely trick your way through a regular season with this. Like sure. you could just be the team that forces a lot of turnovers. The Nuggets in 2013 built the third best team uh in the Western conference, they had the third best record and their defensive rating was actually not terrible because they forced a lot of turnovers. They played aggressively at the point of attack. They gambled in passing lanes. I will say this, that applying pressure at the point of attack to me, this has always been like the preferred thing to do. If you have the personnel, the blazers, I do not think have it. I think the wolves have it. I think cats nimble enough to be able to play at that level because Here's essentially the question. Um, do you want to die because Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, Juan Toscano Anderson, Andrew Wiggins, and Otto Porter 
are open on the three-point line? Or do you want to die because Steph Curry is shooting? Like, this is the question, right? Because you can't stop both of them. You're not a good enough team. You do not have a good enough defensive personnel to, like, stop the Warriors because the best way to do that is just to switch everything. You can't do that. They don't, you don't have the personnel. You can't put Cat, like, I think Cat's good in this scheme. You can't put, you can't switch with Cat onto Steph. That's not doable. So if your alternative is anybody but Steph, you do that. If it's the Blazers and it's anybody but Dame, you do that. If it's the Hawks and it's anybody but Trey, even though the, the Hawks have all these weapons and can absolutely beat you, that's still a better option. This is why I like this scheme so much in the modern NBA. Drop coverage, which is what most of the league runs because it's easy, is essentially, well, we're going to shut down everybody else, shut down the paint and three-pointers, and we're going to make these superstar guards beat us. Guess what? Those superstar guards will beat you. Um, so playing at this level and playing aggressive – they're reliant on turnovers and that's not sustainable in the playoffs. You will get rocked. You will absolutely get rocked. If you try and do this as like a championship contending team. Now I'm not saying that like you can't play at the level because the nuggets do. And they just like, you just have to sharpen up your rotations. This is kind of the big thing is if you did the first year, yeah, you're going to give up a lot of open threes year two. You're probably going to be better. And as time goes by, you can play this scheme and get to where you are able to contain threes enough at the rim and get the ball out of the main threat's hands. And if you do that, then you can be a good defense. This year, you can game your way into being a pretty decent defense, which I think is all they need with the weapons that they have. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it, So I want to ask your opinion on a few futures here. I know that you already played the Timberwolves to make the play-in. Right now, if you are a new better that hasn't played this yet, at FanDuel, the Timberwolves are plus 125 to make the play-in. Are you betting that fresh right now? Do you like that number? Plus 125? Yeah. That's a great number. I got it like a plus – I got it plus 200. This still has awesome value. I think anything that – anything – honestly, Brandon, I'm telling you, I play it to, to minus 150. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just would. Like, the, here's why – if you're looking at the Wolves and you're like, what are the concerning things? You're like, oh, boy, their offense – Right. Ooh, I don't know. Can these guys score? Yes, this team can score. Like, come on, this team, this team can score. And a good example of that is on spot up plays this season. uh, Anthony Edwards is two of 11 from the field and D'Angelo Russell is three of 11 from the field. Of all the things that you expect, those two numbers do not match up. So their offense is going to catch up as their defense regresses or regresses. And they're still going to be in a really good spot, I think, to, uh, make the play in again. This is the big thing here is just like, they're going to be seven. I, you can't look at the, at the field and think that there are going to be all, but six, you can't think that there's going only going to be five teams better than them or, you know, in their range, right? Like they can't yeah. be, I can't see them being top six. Yeah, they're not the top six and, it, and if they do, it probably gets down to like the last game of the season, trying to stay out of the play in and you can probably hedge. Right. Like this is why I think playing, take the play in. And then if you want to bet them to make the playoffs, you can do that as long as you're willing to like hedge out because it's a one game environment. I will say this though. I don't hate what's the, what's make the playoffs. Do you have it? Yeah, that was my next one. So that, I'm seeing that at plus three ten at draft. Think about that. So here's a good question. The play Based off of, of what we've seen right now, let's say that they're in, Let's even be skeptical of them. And they're in the nine, eight matchup. Okay. 
nine nine ten, right? Because the bottom two play, and then the winner plays the loser. Now let's, let's say they're in the seven eight. Let's say that. Well, let's say that they're in yeah. the eight nine. Here's what I'm telling you: like, let's say they get in the play in and they play the Kings and they beat the Kings because the Kings are the Kings, and then the Clippers are in versus either the Blazers or Mavericks, and they lose. And so it's the eight versus nine. Okay. Do you not think the Clippers can beat the, or do you not think the Wolves can beat the Clippers? Because I do. I think the Wolves in a one-game environment can beat the Los Angeles Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I mean, I think that they could. I think, do we agree that the Clippers at home in that matchup are clearly favored? I I would agree that they're favored. I don't know if I'm betting them. Yeah, that's fair. I'm probably betting, like, I'm probably taking the points because, like... This Clippers team, I don't know what the, I don't there. I'm writing an article for action right now, and it's my WTF teams. I don't know what the fuck to think about the Clippers right now. I have no idea. Like every single night, I'm like, you killed the Blazers and then lost to the Cavs, but you <laughs> like were handled by the what? They're very confusing to me right now. So um, still trying to figure them out. But any team that they're going to face, I think the Wolves will have a pretty decent shot against. And again, you get to that point. If you assume that they will not be 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, if they won't be bottom five, then you can always, not always, in most situations, you can hedge out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you, if you're as confident as you are that they should be like a minus or you'd play to minus 150 and make the play in, then I think you need to at least sprinkle the playoffs a little bit. Uh, last, last future question, just because I know we love MVP. Towns is a hundred to one. Towns is at 28, eight and four, 56, 52, 95 shooting 1.3 steals, 2.5 blocks. He's everything on this offense. What does Towns have to do to, to have any shot at getting in this conversation? Is there any way or, or the wolves just not quite good enough at a hundred to one? Yeah, I can't, I can't see it. Cause I think it's, it's a matter of even if Towns is absolutely phenomenal, let's say that we're wrong. Okay, and they'll say they wind up as they they surprise everybody and they grab the five seed in the West, which is really good. Are is Towns getting the bump over a two seed with Giannis? Yeah, or a three seed with Steph, or because I'm writing about this for Futures Friday, if the Nuggets wind up fourth, is he getting it over Jokic? Like, yeah, I mean, you that's, basically have to say that you believe that, that the Wolves will get second in the Western Conference, which I am not prepared to do. Yeah, it's it's hard to make the case, seeing how hard it was to give the award to Jokic last year and then saying, OK, Towns is not going to be that good. He's not going to put up those numbers. He's not going to have the assists or anything close to it. So if he's not as good as Jokic and the Timberwolves are not as good as the Nuggets were, then the, you know, the, the case falls apart pretty quickly. So I, I don't think that there's much value there. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets. So as you may recall, the Hornets won the season opener against the Pacers after having what, like a 28 to two comeback late in that game. They won against the Cavs and the Nets. They lost the Celtics in overtime. They beat the Magic. They are four and one right now. They are running. They are flying high. Lamelo is running. Miles Bridges has been an absolute stud so far. So, are the Hornets real? Are the Hornets a play-in team? How how far have your adjustments shifted on Charlotte? Pretty high. I had them as an under, and they have the second best offensive rating in the NBA through this young, 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 young season. Now they are 20th in defensive rating, which I think is a little bit concerning, but they faced, you know, the Nets, right? Um, the Cavaliers win actually looks really good. 
you know, the Pacers win is actually probably like the worst one of their of their games because the Pacers are one and four. Um, look, my, Bridges has been great. Lamelo and Hayward, like I knew the Lamelo and Hay- this is this is I think is the crux of it when you're looking at the Hornets. Do you think Hayward plays the whole season? But that to me is like a very crucial question because of his injury history. If you do not think that Hayward plays the whole season, then you cannot have a lot of faith that they're going to hold this up because they've had good runs before. They were in good spot last year before the injuries hit and that wrecked them and got them into the play. And like they were a playoff team before that happened. Um, uh, with Hayward, they've got a plus seven net rating, but without him, they're still plus 4.2. Uh, how about Ish Smith? By the way, Ish Smith with a with a on court net rating of eleven point four. They've been great with him on the court. They've been great with PJ Washington on the court. You know who's actually Bridges gets all the credit because of of how awesome he looks and he's a bigger like production guy. Do you know who's looked really good though? Is and actually like this is where I went wrong on them. I think was I I underestimated some of the development from the younger guys, particularly Cody Martin has been. I I had a note about him too. So good in so many areas for this team. Like um, with him on the court, they're a plus 6.9 and only a 1.9 with him off the court. Now the defense hasn't been good, but I saw him in that Nets game making all sorts of like really great defensive plays. They got a 119.7 offensive rating when Cody Martin's on the floor because he's hustling and getting rebounds and all sorts of stuff. Like they have a collection of guys. Borrego's coaching his ass off. Um, This is looking like very much a playoff team, a team that's going to, or a, uh, play in slash playoff team and team is going to cost me money in the long term. Yeah, I am a little skeptical on the Hornets. The wins, you know, the Pacers, the Cavs, the Magic, we don't necessarily know. You know, the, the Cavs, like you said, probably are the best win of those. They beat the Nets. Obviously, that's a good one. But how good is it, is it right now? Yeah. Right. That's it? what I'm saying. Like the Nets scored 37 in the second half of that game. Harden had 15 points and eight turnovers. Patty was two of 10. Like, they basically beat Kevin Durant and some guys he found at the Y. So I, I don't know if we can learn a ton from you know, the, the Pacers game, they really were getting blown out in that one. They should have certainly lost that one. So the defense still is profiling, not great. The, the defense, the, they're rebounding a lot better, but most of the other defensive metrics are still poor. They like last year. And this year, they are dead last in two-point percentage defensively. That was both 30th last year and this year. So the offense, obviously, is the big jump. The pace has jumped from 20th to 5th. Here's my concern, though. they The Hornets are taking the second most twos in the NBA, but they're making only the 20, 21st at percentage of them. So they're taking a lot more of them. They are drawing a lot of free throws, so that probably comes with taking more twos. But to me, the thing that jumps out, why is their offense so good? They are second best at three-point percentage, even though they're only taking the 20th most threes. So the another thing, too, they have cut the turnovers a lot, and that's huge for this team. If you're going to run and gun, they've got all these young players. Cutting turnovers is a big step. But the threes, to me, scream regression. And when the three-pointers start to come back, Miles Bridges is not going to be putting up like 30 points and hitting – a million threes forever, though he did have a huge breakout near the end of last season. He's a guy that I talked to in my most improved article as a possible candidate. I still don't know if he's a real candidate because like we've said, you probably need to make that all-star jump. I mean, what is Bridges at right now? If he continues to, to he's, he's at, uh, let's see, 26 points and eight rebounds a game, three threes a game at 40%. He's taking more than 10 twos a game at 62%, 126 offensive rating. 
yeah, he's going to be an all-star if he does that all year. Uh, but I, I don't know that he's going to keep that up. Obviously, they'll fade a little bit. And I just worry once the threes regress that that is the thing that's really standing out right now and coming, getting them to these wins. So I see right now the Hornets are basically even money to make the plan. They're minus 110 to make the plan at FanDuel. Uh, they're also, you can go the seeding route. You can go over under the nine and a half seed, which means that they could make the 10 or be under and, and still, you know, you're getting a little bit off of the plan there. So over nine and a half seed is plus 115, under is minus 140. So that's like the 9-10 range. Is that about where you would put the Hornets here? Do you think that they have range above that? Are they still out for you? I just think it's a no play, right? So like if you ask me to, to slot them today, you know, and even projecting like, okay, the Nets are going to improve um, the heat or up there at the top, like – you know, if we try and like slot everybody out, I think they're probably on that eight, nine bubble. I don't think there's much value in any of those numbers at this point. Like um, what's their miss the playoff number right now. Do you have it? Yeah. Make the playoffs is plus plus one thirty five. Miss is minus one seventy. There's just no, you're getting juiced on miss the playoffs there, even despite this, this start. And like, if we look at the, at the East, right. Let's say Chicago is better. I'm I'm ready to say that. I'm ready to say the Knicks are better. The Heat are better. The Bucks are better. The Hawks are better. Um, the Nets are better. That's six right there. Okay. But then you get into like, I don't know what's going to happen with Boston. They're really all over the place. So I don't know about them. Um, I like the Wizards, but I, I can't say that like the Wizards are definitely better than the Hornets. Like there's every chance that the, that the Hornets could be like the seventh spot. But if the Pacers get their act together, hint, hint. Uh, and if one more team jumps, now you're within range of this being in, in a little bit more danger. So I think that this is definitely like a wait and see team based off of what you talked about with the offensive profile, um, how they've looked. I will say like, I think their defense improves. They still have like a really very defensive profile and that's good. Like they do a lot of different things. They just have their, I think they're cleaning up some of the stuff with personnel. They're still trying to figure out, I think who's going to be in the rotation and not, they have a lot of options on that side. So I think that they'll be better in that regard. Um, but I also like look at this and I, I kind of think, yeah, I mean, I'll say this, you, you talked about like their profile and where they're at in terms of the shots that they take. They're not shooting well above expectation, according to um, the metrics that I've got. Like they're not, their expected field goal differential is seventh best in differential than actual. Um, and that's good, but it's not crazy. It's 1.91% better. It's not something that's wild on the other end of things. So I think that their defense or their offense is necessarily like they're creating pretty quality shots and that's promising. Uh, maybe the concern here though, is like for all of the good things that I think about the defense and how it can improve. Uh, yeah. There's, there's still opponents are shooting the third highest percentage over expected. So like that should regress and we should get a little bit more normalized numbers on opponent shooting, uh, but their expected number still fairly high. So uh, what I'm trying to tell you is that this is definitely one that I do not have a firm take on. I think that they're good. I think they're going to be in the conversation, but I don't like any of the numbers on them. And I don't think there's value there right now. 
Yeah, I think that's about where I'm at too. They they seem like it seems like the expectations and where the books have these numbers is right about accurate. They they're kind of right in that mix near the bottom of the play-in race. Uh, I think I feel just just because they're in the East and not the West, I would feel better about personally. I'd feel better about them making the play-in than I would about the Timberwolves right now, just because there are more spots I think available to them. But we don't have that bet available, so that that doesn't do much. Uh, what about Miles Bridges here? So. Miles Bridges last year, final 16 games, he goes into the starting lineup 21, 7, and 3 in those games, 51, 42, 84 from the field, 3.13s a game. Now we come out, and that's kind of what he's doing again. He's hitting the three threes a game. He's over 40% again. His scoring is up to 26. He's probably not going to stay that high, but he can be 20, 22 points a game. He's getting those rebounds. He's basically doing what he did last year for that stretch and looks like an all-star right now. So you and I both are on John Morant as a most improved player candidate. That's the leading candidate right now. Miles Bridges is plus 850 right now for most improved. He's second. Is there value at plus 850 or did we did we miss the boat already? No, we're going to have more time on this is the thing is like that number is not going to drop to any sort of like minus number before all-star, which we all agree was like, that's the time to play it is like, let's see if he gets all-star push. We have time on this. I don't think this, this is, don't rush out now. Okay. You have to ask yourself, like, does Ja Morant making the kind of leap that he does make sense? And the answer is like, yeah, like Ja was fantastic last year. He's the number two pick in the draft. Okay. Does Miles Bridges becoming a 26 and eight guy on 50, 40, 90, does that make sense? And the answer is like, no, like great start. That's awesome. It's cool that he's having the start. Uh, I'm not being patronizing there. It really is cool. I love his, his game, but I think also the usage, I think is just going to fluctuate, right? Like I think there'll be games where he has this opportunity to put up these numbers and there'll be other opponents where they start to key in on him more because of the scouting report. And that's going to open up things for Gordon. When you have two guys that are so ball dominant in LaMelo and Gordon, and you have ish, I can't believe that he's going to get enough shot attempts for him to be able to generate it. Like 18 shot attempts per game is a lot for a player like Miles Bridges. So I think the numbers probably come down. Look, if we, if we get, if we're two months from now and it's January and he's averaging 26 and eight, you're damn right. But we're still probably getting what? Probably 650 on him with the uncertainty and the amount of time left in the season with 41 games to go. We have time on Miles Bridges. I don't think now is the time to move. I think it's, I think uh, skepticism with an eye on, let's keep an eye on what the number, how the number moves later is the play. Yeah. And Rozier has only played 23 minutes too. So obviously that's going to soak up a whole lot of usage and shots once he gets more back in the rotation as well. Yep. So I, I, I think I agree. That's a wait. Uh, let's talk about the Cavs a little bit before we get out of here. So the Cavs obviously I think are not quite in the same level of contention that the Timberwolves and the Hornets are at least not yet. However, the Cavs start out with a couple losses and since then beat the Atlanta Hawks, beat the Denver Nuggets, beat the Los Angeles Clippers. That's three teams that for most people are firmly in the playoff race. So is there something real happening here? The Evan Mobley thing certainly looks real. Is there something bigger? Is this possibly a play-in team or is this just, you know, they started 10 and 11 last year. Is this just that again? Are they, are they catching some teams off guard? I think they're catching teams off guard. I think teams are overlooking them because they're the Cavs and they're penciling in a win. I think if you look at the effort performance in both the Denver and Clippers game and the Hawks game, quite honestly, you're like, okay, like you can tell that those teams were like, oh, the Cavs. Okay. We'll just roll in there and get a win. Can't do that. Especially not early in the season. 
I, do I think that they're better? I absolutely think they're better. I think they're a huge candidate to hit the over. I'm glad I did not bet the under on this team. I stayed away from it. Like, I think a couple of things. Bickerstaff has done a much better job this season. They look more prepared than they have in recent seasons. And that's anytime the team looks more organized, that's not people will go like, well, that's point guard play. No, like Colin Sexton's still starting. Rubio's coming off the bench. Like, this is very much an improvement from Bickerstaff has them ready. I saw them in person on Monday. They look like an organized team on both ends of the floor. They know what they're doing and they're playing with force and impact. The marketing Allen Mobley combo, which should not work under any circumstances is working. Laurie's busting his ass on defense. Didn't expect it, but like you can make up for a lot of, of deficiencies as a player defensively. If you just try really hard, Laurie's trying and like he's attacking. They have got and Allen is is such a good safety valve. Like they'll have possessions where they try a number of things and it's like that didn't work and that didn't work and that didn't work. Oh, there's a little duck in. Allen's got in position, flip it to him and he just flips the ball in because he's big and athletic and he's got an advantage on most guys. Um, he's been great. They can go to defensive lineups with Rubio and Okoro. They can go to offensive lineups that are more spread the floor. I think Darius Garland has been fantastic. Like Sexton's going to get a lot of the credit. I think Garland has been great on both ends of the court. He looks like a leader. Mobley's been, like you mentioned, awesome. Um, I still don't love, are you going to ask me about his rookie of the year chances? I'm going to ask you plus seven fifty. What do you think? Uh, 14 and nine. Um, is that good enough? Do we think 14 and nine gets it done? Most years, probably not. Yeah, but, I don't think I so. Mean, there, it is. Uh, it's it's it, if he is a value, I think that it's because Jalen Green has not started great and Cade Cunningham has not played. So the two guys we thought were going to be well ahead of the race, the race suddenly feels open. But I think that that might just be a trick. Like I think Mobley is going to do his thing, and we agree. Like Mobley is going to be a great player defensively. The flashes he's showing already, his ability to mirror guys and stay in front of guards and just swallow people. Amazing, but not what we give rookie of the year for. Like, that's yeah. not going to get him any votes for that. Yeah, like I think there's other guys I think that are that are putting up numbers. Like I think Duarte is probably a better play right now because this has always been about numbers. I can't see the Cav a player that plays with the Caval a guy a rookie that plays defense with the Cleveland Cavaliers is not winning rookie <laughs> of the year. If it happens, I'll be thrilled and ecstatic and we'll change our priors but we can't change our priors four games into the season that this is a points rebounds and assist award rebounds a points rebounds and assist award that's right um and that that's what determines it and that your your impact doesn't matter it's your production in that first year so mm-hmm. i i can't change my prior yet on that i i think it's been fantastic i thought mobley was going to be i love mobley as a prospect i liked him as much as i like Cade. I thought he was the second best prospect and arguably like if you said that Mobley was the best player in the draft, I would not have disagreed. Like I wasn't like, no, that's absurd. Um, I think he's absolutely that good. I think he will be that foundational. There's a nickname I just saw on Twitter, skinny Duncan. Um, Like it's great, but I don't think he's going to get the chance to have the production. Plus you have to worry about rookie wall hurting those numbers. Plus you have to worry about if the Cavs defense falls off, it's going to be danger time for this team. Uh, now is definitely not the time to go in on Evan Mobley for rookie of the year. So, so let me ask you this. Let's say that you are a Cavs fan. You just want to sprinkle a little bit on some sort of Cavs long shot. Enjoy the early ride here. So you can either put whatever your, your, let's say a half unit bet, either on Evan Mobley at 750 to win rookie of the year or 
at exactly 750 at FanDuel, you can bet the Cavs to make the plan. So which, if you're going to pick one of those, which outcome do you think is more likely? Cavs make the plan or Mobley make or wins rookie of the year? What's the seed in prop? What's the seeding prop? Well, I'll get to that one. Well, what do you think? No, I want that one. That's the one I want, though. Well, that's um, I like I like that one. So the seating prop there, the over under is twelve point five. Oh yeah, the under right now is plus two ten on that. Yeah, we're banging. And we're here's ba- what, I, we're what I like now. about that is, like we we agree. I think that the Cavs are ahead of the Pistons and the Magic. Yeah. So all they have to do is beat one other team to go under that at plus two ten. Yeah, we're bet we're banging that one. That's the one that like I'll hit that right now. Um, yeah. That one, that one I'll go I'll go for. I think there's value at two ten. I don't. I'm not gonna do a, do a heavy bet on it, but I'll, yeah. I'll I'll do a sprinkle on that one. And I'm not a Cavs fan. Uh, between the two, I think it's the play in. You know, like all right, Pistons worse, Magic worse. Although I will say, like some of the numbers on the Magic are not terrible. Like I'm. I'm always surprised at where my model has the magic on the spread. And that's why I'm always kind of like talking my head and being like, that's interesting. Um, something with the magic isn't translating to them being completely awful yet, which will probably change. Um, but like, look, you go up and down this uh, up and down and look at the teams behind them right now. Um, the Sixers, do we think the Sixers are going to be wind up better than them? And Bede's injury makes it a little bit questionable, but I still kind of think that they'll yeah. wind up being like 500-ish, even if he missed, if he's out for a while. Um, the Raptors, I think, could be worse than them. The Celtics are confusing, but I don't think will be worse than them. And the Indiana Pacers, I could be wrong on them, and they could be worse, but I think it gets dicey. So I'll probably say the play-in is, a, I think, your best bet here just because getting into the 10 spot, it's such a room. It's such a margin for error. Like you just have a huge margin getting four spots for them to land in is pretty significant. I think, especially if you say they're not going to be top six. So I would say the, the play in, I think is a much better bet right now, not to say it won't be later, but I think bet right now it's a better bet than Evan Mobley. Yeah, I I agree though. I think that the key here is I think that we both agree that the best bet between those options is that that under 12 and a half, because Mm -hmm. then if you assume that the Pistons and Magic are the two teams that are almost, that they're very likely to stay below. And I think we thought that, you know, coming into the season, there were those five teams at the bottom, those three, and then the Thunder and the Rockets. And it always felt to me like the Cavs were were kind of clearly the top team in that group, just because they were going to try. They like, the Cavs don't want to just outright tank and be awful. Like that maybe at the end of the season, they've done that plenty of times, but I think that they are trying to establish something here. They're trying to win. I think Cleveland thinks that they're a playing team or that they can contend for that. Those other teams, I don't think have any misconceptions about that. So if they're going to stay out of Detroit and Orlando, you just need Cleveland to try and win some of these games that, you know, catch teams off guard and then have any one of all those other teams bottom out because somebody got hurt because you know Toronto went into take mode and sold off all their guys whoever it is there's so many options that way so I like the plus 210 there I want to say to Colin Sexton I've never been a huge fan of his but I like what I'm seeing so far his numbers don't really show just on the surface but he his two-point percentage he's up from 50 percent the last two years to 62 percent this year he's getting to the rim more than ever and he's 82% at the rim, up from 62 the last couple of years. So I wonder if that is, you know, I, I don't like the Lowry Markinen thing, getting him out there. 
but it, it is spacing them out. And Jared Allen is providing vertical spacing too. So just me, making the offense a little more modern, I think has helped make Sexton a little bit more valuable to them too. So to me, the takeaway on this team is not, all right, here we go. This is the year. Here come the Cavs. To me, the takeaway is, all right, here, here come the Cavs. The Sexton works. Garland has been great. You know, Mobley looks like an absolute stud for the future. Jared Allen is playing awesome. There's a lot of good stuff happening here. If I'm a Cavs fan, maybe I don't go out and, and spend all my money on Mobley rookie of the